Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today we have a very special podcast and Pete and I have been talking about doing this podcast and having this conversation for you all for a really long time. And although this might seem like a softer topic, I think it's one of the more important topics and we're actually going to include some maybe like harder facts, um, quote unquote in this so that you can really start to learn what in the heck does listening to your body even mean? We've talked about this so much and just, we've been like listening to your body is thrown around so much that it's almost like, does it even mean anything anymore? And so we want to describe it a little bit more. What does it mean? How to do it? How it can be super powerful and move you forward. So today I have Peyton with me to talk about this. Welcome Peyton. Thank you. So excited to be here. Yay. Okay. Well, let's dive in. I want to start by talking about what this even means. And then Peyton and I are going to kind of discuss this a little bit more. So we're going to get into what this means from a nervous system standpoint. So basically your brain and your nervous system are constantly regulating your inputs. So inputs from your environment, from your five senses, from the things going out around you, going on around you, and they're responding with certain outputs. So they're taking in the inputs, they're assimilating that information, and they're responding with outputs. Those outputs are how you feel physically, um, certain reflexes that your body responds with, certain things that your eyes can dilate and move in different ways, your muscles might tighten or relax. Um, Examples are the input is you walk into a cold room. And the output is you start to shiver. Um, Another example is input, you touch a hot stove and the output is you retract your arm quickly. Another input that's more exercise related is the input is you twist your knee wrong in a workout and the output is pain or a sharp sensation. Um, Or an input that is positive could be you lift something heavy and the output is you build more muscle tissue. So in other words, your, your nervous system is kind of this circular loop of inputs and outputs. You could also see these as symptoms and causes. So the symptom is the output and the cause is the input. So again, you have a cause like exercise or temperature, or, um, you touch something hot or you step on a tack. That is the cause. That is the thing that is triggering your nervous system to respond And the symptom or the output is ultimately how your body responds to that input. So what's interesting is that these outputs are subconscious and mostly out of our control. We can't really control to a certain extent how our nervous system is going to respond to certain inputs. For example, like you can't always control when you get goosebumps because you're in a cold room. Um, A lot of these things are subconscious and out out of our control. But when you start paying attention, you can start to get an idea of what are the inputs that you're responding well to? What are the inputs that are giving you good reactions or good causes? And we can start to lean into those inputs that are giving you positive responses and lean away from the inputs that are giving you negative responses. So you can kind of start to decipher these outputs or these symptoms so that you can really tailor your routine so that you're getting more of those outputs that you ultimately want in order to quote unquote, optimize your body, improve your body, see the results that you want. And then on the other hand, if we're not paying attention to these inputs, we can be getting in all of these negative inputs that we're not wanting and our body is responding in ways that we don't want it to respond. And therefore we accumulate all these results that we ultimately don't want. So this is all a part of listening to your body, listening to the outputs that your body is giving you because of the inputs that you're giving it. The tricky part is about this input output system is that everyone will have slightly different outputs, even with the exact same input. So someone could exercise and eat in the exact same way. And one person could respond great and feel amazing and see all this muscle mass and see all these results. And then the next person may like feel depleted and exhausted or have joint pain and not see muscle gain. So this is what, why it's important to listen to your body so that you are figuring out how is my body responding to these given inputs? 
And of course there's guidelines and there's like things that we, that are overall our overarching themes that we want to add into your routine to guide you towards seeing the best results, but there's going to be some interplay. And so I think that this is what this listening to your body thing should be is you're just learning how to regulate your own nervous system. That was long-winded, but did you follow? No, that was perfect. Right on the money. A great explanation and a much more scientific explanation for what the now arbitrary, almost arbitrary phrase, listen to your body really should mean and does mean for us. Yes. That was my hope. Cause I feel like it's just, people are just like, what does this even mean anymore? I want to talk about what can happen. Like the power of listening to your body, listening to the outputs that your body is responding with. Um, Peyton, do you want to kind of talk about what can happen when you start to get into tune with these inputs and outputs? Yeah. I think one of the biggest things right away is improving your relationship with your body. So improving the trust that you have with your body and, and knowing that in, you know, we're specifically talking about in terms of your fitness routine. So knowing that you're not going to step onto your mat and do something that's going to be directly in opposition of what your specific body is in need of or wanting um, or would respond well to. So you build up that trust with yourself so that you're able to then progress and move forward with, with your workouts or really whatever it is that you're working on. And I think hand in hand with that goes having an improved body image and and being able to know that you are doing what you can within your own self and with your own body. And it forces you to look inward as opposed to looking outward, both from an image standpoint, but also from like a specific on the money protocol that you're, you're forced to kind of tap in and therefore just create both this better relationship and therefore potentially have improved body image with what with who you are and, and, you know, who you are right now. I could not have said that better myself. I think learning to gain trust with yourself is something that takes constant practice. And it almost takes like proving to yourself that I, I can have my own back. And that goes with my workouts. Like there's nothing worse than doing a a workout that, you know, deep down, you're like, I shouldn't be doing this. This hurts. This doesn't feel good. And you barrel through anyways. And then you're like, my knee is just sidelines me for the next three months or whatever it is. And then that can chip away at your self-trust. Whereas if you're like, "Mm, no, something's not right here. I'm going to listen to that now, instead of ignoring myself, then you can build up your self-trust to know that like, okay, I've got my own back. The next time something like this comes up, which inevitably will happen, I've got my own back. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and hand with hand in hand with that, when you're listening to those signals or those outputs in more of an acute phase where you're like, Oh, this is happening right now. I'm going to respond right now, as opposed to letting it whittle away and away and away and forcing you to then have to rely on people outside of yourself to help you. Um, like, you know, for, for medical providers, they're there for a reason. And we are obviously both come from a background of getting to treat and work with people. And there are so many times where that is necessary, but there's also a lot of times where that comes, that necessity of working with someone comes from time and time again, not listening to what those little inklings that you were getting from the get-go, maybe with a certain move or a cer- certain programming or a certain activity that just wasn't working for your body, but society or whoever has told you this is the best possible way to do it. So you've tried to wedge yourself in there and then continuously not listen to your own body. And it's forced you to get past a point where you can get beyond it without intervention from someone else. Which is so interesting because I think that this, it is so normalized to not listen to your body and accumulate this damage and stress over a lifetime to the point that people get older and they think that their joint pain and their like tightness is just because of quote unquote age. It's just because I'm old now. It's like, well, no, maybe it's because you've spent the last three decades ignoring yourself. Maybe it's not that you're, you've gotten older, but that you've slowly chipped away at your body because you've just been taught not to listen to it. Absolutely. One of my very favorite 
uh, professors and mentors in PT school was very big into very against ageism. And she was like, her favorite quote was age is not a diagnosis. And she is so, you know, she's, she's not old by any means, but she's older and she, and I still follow her on Instagram and she's so active and, and healthy with her husband. And it's, it's, it's just true. It really is true that age does not have to be this it's not a diagnosis. It doesn't have to be this box that we're put in like, oh, this is inevitable that you're going to have joint pain, that you're going to have X, Y, Z, that your metabolism is going to decline. All these things that we're now seeing, like, no, it's not, it's not the aging that is necessarily the problem, but it could be our inability or the encouragement for us to not tap into what's going on within, within ourselves for years and years. Yes. I think, I think it's awesome. And on the flip side, what's really empowering is that we can feel really good as we age. If we start to just take the little steps every day to start to listen to your body. So why, why do we think we kind of touched on some of this, but why do we think that so many people struggle with this idea of listening to your body? I think one of the major reasons is it's such a double-edged sword and we're obviously we have a social media presence and a lot of what we do is through social media. However, I think we as consumers of social media are constantly inundated with information from experts or just random people on social media or whoever it is saying, this is the best way to do it. You need to do it this way. And within that, People really want, and I get it, I understand why, but people really want to be told, do exactly this, it will yield this result. They want black and white information because that's easier, to be honest, than having to do the do the work of tapping in, seeing what actually works for you. It's much easier to follow a specific guide or to follow a specific prescription and say, okay, I know that if I put in X amount of work, that I'm going to get these results that I want, whatever it is, um, whether it's aesthetic or not. But unfortunately, that's just not the way that it works with pretty much anything in life, but especially when it comes to fitness and what works for our bodies. So I think that's like the number one reason why we have difficulty with it. I agree. And I cannot tell you how many messages I get every single day from people explaining everything about their life and about their body. And they're looking to me for the answers. And Mm -hmm. I, I usually don't respond to those messages, not because I don't want to not help people, but because I think that people, a lot of times when they're looking for outside experts, especially someone who isn't able to sit down with them for an hour and discuss their history and really evaluate them, um, that a lot of times they're not, they're not looking inwards and they're not trusting themselves. They're not trust. They're not trying things. They're not just like, okay, well, let me see what happens if I try this on. And, and if, if it doesn't feel good, then I can change it. And it doesn't have to be the end of the world. But I think that the more you and I and other experts in this industry can empower people to like, yes, we can help guide you and we can help give you the most accurate and up-to-date information, but at some point, it's so important for individuals to take that information, apply it to themselves, tailor, tinker, and figure out and listen all while figuring out what's going to be the best course of action for them. So I think that's really important. I also think that something that I fell victim to and something that one reason I had a big challenge listening to my body is because I feel like we are taught that joint pain is part of the game. And that if you want to be fit and if you want to quote unquote, look your best, it's just going to come with the territory that you're going to kind of feel like crap, no pain, no gain. Right. It's literally a slogan in like a Nike commercial. I feel like is, is, and so we are taught that like, it's okay that your body hurts. Like, it's okay that you feel broken down. If you have like completely depleted energy levels, like that's not your body screaming for help. It's that you're not strong enough and that you, this will, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so I think that that's something that I really struggled with is like overpowering the signals from my body for the sake of fitness gains. And I think that so many other people struggle with that as well. Yep. When you are used to 
pushing down those feelings, whether it be a physical sensation, a mental sensation, whatever it is, when you're used to just pushing it down, because you're like, this is what I have to do in order to oftentimes look a certain way, not even feel a certain way or to get stronger or whatever it is. I feel like it's really commonly associated with looking a specific way. Then you're, you're just separating yourself further and further and further away from what you actually need. And cause you're, you're, there's, it's no wonder that you, then you're, you wouldn't trust yourself to, to make decisions that would be helpful for you because you've made these choices for so long based on doing something that directly feels bad for your body. And it's not anyone's fault. And I don't want the, this conversation to come off as like a holier than thou conversation because no. you, you have been there specifically yourself. Yes. It's, it's miraculous that I never was there. And I had my own, my own troubles that, that kind of come into it too. But for, for me, it's like, it, it just makes a lot of sense from the outside looking at and why someone would struggle with listening to their body when they've continuously just pushed down any sensations that their body or any outputs that their body has been giving them along the way. Yes. I, I agree. I don't want this to come across as preachy at all. It's only coming from like a place of me wanting to be like, I want to scream this from the rooftops. Like you don't have to feel this way. Like, trust me, I've been there. And I think like another thing that so many people do along these lines, and this is a topic that I don't want to get into too much, but I do think it's important to touch on is that I think so many people use exercise and over-exercise as a way to buffer for emotional health. Like they're feeling anxiety, they're feeling stress, they're feeling whatever it might be. And so they want to exercise to... to kind of like numb that out and distract them from that really uncomfortable sensation. And I'm not a mental health expert at all, but I do think that when this is you, when exercise over exercise, particularly is used as a coping mechanism for mental health in a way that is harming your body in the long term, that's not something that is quote unquote healthy. Um, because although it might be helping you deal with one issue in your life, if that is going on and on and on and on and eventually breaking your body down, it's causing more problems than it's solving. So I think that I, I, I just, I hear that a lot. People are like, well, exercise is my therapy. And I think that, um, this may have an amazing time and place. And I'm, again, I'm not giving people mental health advice here, but I do think like, maybe let's dig into that a little bit more. If you feel like over-exercising is your therapy, like maybe it's worth like going to explore your mental health a bit more and seeing like, okay, is there something underneath there? Is there a, a different kind of coping mechanism that I can use? That's ultimately not destructive to my body. Right. Because after a certain point, and it may be years and years or decades and decades, your body has been that your body has been wearing down over and over again, your body's going to give out. And then what are you going to have in its place to deal with whatever emotions that you've been trying to suppress and use over exercise to overcome? It's like, Oh my gosh. Yes. It will, it will catch up with you eventually. So I'm a firm believer of, of dealing, dealing with it head on from the get go and exercise can be an excellent tool and supplement to help with these things, but it should never be the primary source of, of dealing with, with true mental, mental health issues has a negative connotation, but mental health things that are going on in your life. I've certainly been there before and it, it does me much more of a service to focus in on mental health things. Like for me in particular, that means therapy and then having, having my exercise and having a routine that's not wearing me down, but I feel so good in what I'm doing with my fitness routine that the two really complement each other as opposed to exercise being, being the quote unquote fix. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I want to interview someone particularly like who is an expert in this. So if you're listening and you are, feel like you have expertise on this topic, shoot me a message. And so we can have you on the pod. Cause I think that this discussion is something that goes a lot, a lot further beyond what we just touched on. Yeah. Um, anything else that we missed with, as far as like why people struggle with this? I think something that's interesting to think about is there is a very large portion of people that have been told by, you know, society, social media, whatever it is that their bodies are wrong or bad for whatever reason. So if you are someone that doesn't fit into like a quote unquote typical mold 
then you might have a really hard time trusting yourself and listening to your body because you've been given information over and over again that your body isn't good and that you're not bad. And so it's hard. I can imagine that it would be really hard to overcome that, but I think it could be so beneficial to tap into that and work on that to know and believe that you're, that you are enough, that your body is good and that you can listen to the signals no matter what, no matter what the exterior of your body looks like, everybody is worth listening to and tapping, tapping into and getting connected with. Oh my gosh. That is again, a whole nother conversation. I think, um, is that yes, it's like, it's no wonder people struggle with trusting their bodies and listening to them. If they've been taught that they're never enough, (laughs) it's, it, it makes total sense. So I think that, I think that if you are identified in any of these categories or maybe all of them or several of them, I think that number one, you're not alone. It's very normal. This is why we're having this conversation because it's too normalized to feel this way. And so there's nothing wrong with you. Do not feel shame or feel panic that you're doing it wrong. I think just this conversation is more to just like shed light on this stuff. And and we do have some like recommendations if you are struggling with this. And, but first, before we talk about that, I think that I want to talk about how quote unquote, listening to your body can kind of be taken in the wrong direction. So Peyton, do you want to touch on, cause we're not saying that, oh, my body is, my brain is telling me I just want to lay on the couch. So I'm going to listen to that and like never exercise at all, like, or never work hard. That's not what we're saying. And gentle consistency, what's something that we preach all the time. That does not mean you're never working hard. That does not mean that you're not sometimes doing things that you don't really feel like doing that much. That's it's not what that means. Um, it just means that we're never exercising and making decisions at the cost of our overall health. Yes. That's a great way to put it. I think that's like a bolded underlying statement right there. Um, because I think what can happen. So in terms of how listening to your body can be maybe taken in the wrong direction is one feeling any sort of pain or discomfort often stops people from doing anything at all. So it takes them out of movement. And we we saw this a lot. We've seen it a lot in the research too. Like when you and I were both in PT school, I know there was a big movement away from the way that you, for example, you used to treat back pain was that you would sit and do nothing and lay down in a bed. And then we saw over many years and many years of research that that was actually not the fix for most people's back pain. It was in fact, moving and, and, and finding ways that felt good to move, working into those ways. So then you could free up motion in other ways. So I think that sometimes if we're, if we're hyper fixated on small sensations that come up and it stops us from taking any action at all, that can be detrimental to our overall progress and our overall, we want to be moving. We want to be active. We know that this is good for us from a health perspective overall. So instead of letting pain stop us in our tracks, instead finding ways to work out or move in ways that feel good for us and, and don't exacerbate that pain or um, help you to to work around it are really important and what we would recommend instead of just stopping altogether. Yes. And this is why this is why in our classes, we cue things in a very specific way. Like you won't hear Peyton and I, unless we, unless it like slips on accident, you won't ever hear us say like, if this hurts your back, if this is painful, then do this. You'll hear us say like, if you feel a little sensation, like try this instead. Like here's a knee friendly option because that language around it and you using that language in your own head about your own body, it can transform your relationship to chronic pain. And you'll see us saying, okay, if this doesn't feel great, try this instead. No biggie. You just try this and then you move on. We're not saying that Evlo is physical therapy or treating pain or anything like that. We're just giving you options for you to explore in your own body. Like maybe that range of motion in that sissy squat doesn't feel great on your knees. Okay. Let's go up a little higher. Okay. Let's have a wall sit. What can we do? And then just not making it a huge deal. Because I think when I went through my own chronic pain journey, what happened with me is I went from like ignoring my body and thinking that pain was part of the problem to 
actually swinging the other way where I was like terrified to do anything. Cause I saw how debilitating yeah. my pain could be. So yeah. I almost like did nothing. And now I'm at the point where if I have a twinge, cause you know, I, I do think like, I probably have some structural damage from over-exercising. Um, who knows? I don't have any imaging, so who knows, but if I ever feel like a weird twinge or something, I just, am like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to work around that. I'm just going to go in a little smaller range of motion. I'm going to keep moving, but in ways that feel good. And I don't make it like a huge deal. Like, ah, I need to stop. I don't like break down on the floor crying about it. Um, and I think that it's important to kind of like retrain your brain around those sensations. We're not saying that you should ignore them. We're not saying that you shouldn't sometimes get treatment, but just putting them in the category of that's a sensation that I need to listen to and work around. Yes. Something actually similar happened to me recently, or that would kind of fit in this category. A few weeks back, I was playing pickleball. I had not played in forever. I used to play all the time and something just kind of tweaked in my back. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I, you know, it got to the point where like I stopped playing for, for the day and I had to teach later that day. And I I talked about it in class and said, you know, this, here's an option to do. I think it was some for chest press, lift your hips up in the air. Here's an option for me personally today. I'm going to keep my hips down because I got a little something going on in my back and I'm going to take a different option today. And after a few days was completely fine. Now that's not to say that that's everyone's experience. And again, there are going to be times where, where uh, like traumatic injuries or something happens and you, you need more attention and you need more specific rest and things like that. But for little things that come up when you're inevitable, when you're living in an, an active life, things are inevitably going to come up. It's, it's important just to be able to tap in and say, okay, how can I modify and adjust my routine and what I'm doing to still get movement into my system and then take note of it for a few days and then go from there and not let yes. it like just scare you of, oh no, I've done something horrible and I'm never going to recover from this. Yes, 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 yes. And there's a big difference between like, between I think listening to the primitive part of your brain, um, Mm-hmm. that's like scared, stay in the cave, don't move because there's something called the motivational triad, which I think is like a really interesting concept. The motivational triad is um, our brains are motivated always to seek pleasure, avoid pain and save energy. And we have to use our prefrontal cortex, the decision-making um part of our brain to actively avoid this if we want certain results. So like with exercise, like, again, we're not saying that exercise should not be challenging. We want it to be challenging in the right ways, but a lot of times the motivational triad of your brain is going to want to avoid anything that feels hard. It's going to tell you instead of doing that workout, why don't you sit on the couch? Why don't you like, um, take a nap? And again, We're not saying that sometimes you shouldn't take a nap and sleep if you're sick, if you're overdoing it, if your body needs recovery, those are the times we do want to like rest and focus on rest, but we're just not saying that gentle consistency and listening to your body means that you're constantly like caving into this more primitive part of your brain. That's always wanting you to seek pleasure, avoid pain and save energy. Right. We so we encourage consistent movement. That is our, our ultimate goal above all else. And we, we title that as gentle consistency. And the gentle comes in because it gives you the freedom and the flexibility to show up to your mat each of your scheduled days that you're choosing to work out and assessing that day how you're feeling and, get, and, and moving in a way that is in alignment with how you're feeling that day. So you might be having a day where you're showing up and you're at 60%. That's what we want you to give. That's what we want you to give that day. But sometimes if you're, if you're not in a program or not in a way of thinking that is more in line with this gentle consistency, you might feel like you're at that 60% and your brain would then tell you, I'm going to sit on the couch instead and completely take the day out because I'm not able to give hundred percent. It, nothing is worth, it's not going to be worth it then. But what we're saying is no, instead listen to that, listen to that 60% give your 60% to your workout. And then the next day reassess, you might be back at a hundred. You might be over a hundred. It's giving yourself that play each time you step onto your mat, but it's 
having it set in place that you're going to show up and you're going to move if you, you again, are not sick or dealing with something that's completely sidelining you and you're going to show up, but you're going to show up and honor yourself for how you're feeling that day. Yes. I mean, it's truly like not trying to be so perfectionist about it, which is a struggle for so many people. And I will tell you when you can nail this with your workout routine, you can nail it in other areas of your life. Because I, I honestly think that the only reason Evelope has been able to grow is because we're not perfectionists about it. We are, we try to be consistent and we try to put out content consistently and help you all consistently and put out classes consistently, but we're not so perfectionistic about it. And it's, I just think it's so interesting how it like this whole listening to your body conversation really does translate into all areas of your life. Oh, 100%. If like if we think about it, even just when we're talking about our classes, you know, when there's a freaking spider climbing on my wall (laughs) or I like my ball goes flying out of the frames, like. We don't cut and edit that out. No, that's just clear. No. But it's that's a part of our ability to just show up as our as ourselves, and things are going to happen, and it really translates well and allows us just to continue moving forward and truly progressing forward, and not just staying, you know, plateaued or in a straight line. Yes, agreed. Well, let's talk about. Ooh, my voice just cracked there. Yeah. Uh, starting over, let's talk about how to know if you need rest. So what are some signs that your body isn't at a hundred percent and that rest is the best versus doing a workout is like your best course of action? Sure. So there's a couple of things that you can look at, um, in terms of there, you could look at how you are breathing. So if you are having trouble taking long exhales, that might be a signal that you're not really recovered. And it might not be a day where you should be showing up and giving, you know, a hundred percent, or maybe that is a day where you're taking an extra rest day in your week. Or really to me, I think focusing in on this and honing in on how many days a week you're going to strength train really comes into play here. So let's say, let's take Evo specifically, for example, we've got a three, four and five day a week track. Let's say you're consistently doing the five day a week track, but you're noticing that you're having a lot of trouble, like really getting those elongated exhales, especially by the mid or end of the week. That might be a signal that you need, you're someone who needs more rest days in your routine. So maybe you switch to three day a week track where you're given two more guaranteed rest days a week. So that's something that you could, that you could really utilize. Um, in addition, you could utilize grip strength. So testing what your grip strength feels like at the beginning of the week, whether using just subjectively squeezing something, seeing how that feels, um, or using a handheld dynamometer that literally tells you the force production that you have with your grip, um, testing that at the beginning of the week, and then t- kind of testing throughout to see, does it stay the same? Because it, it's interesting. And I know you've talked about it a lot before, but Grip strength is shown to be an indicator of um, the amount that you've recovered and kind of an indicator of overall strength throughout the body. Um, so using that as kind of an objective tool of, okay, no, I, I woke up and I'm not feeling great. And this is showing me I'm, I'm not, I'm those, those two things are, are in alignment. Yes. Um, especially like when you're sick, for example, I was extremely sick last week, could not, could not teach, could not the first time that I have ever been sidelined from teaching um, since I started. And I tried every single day. I'm like, okay, today's the day I'm going to get up. And I I could just tell because I now am so in tune with my body that it would not have been smart for me to even attempt. Yes. Um, so I think once you, once you get into how to listen to your body, which we'll kind of go through some, some of our steps or ideas here in a minute, but once you tune into that, then it's a lot easier for when you do have these things that are inevitable, like bad sicknesses that will sideline you. You're able to truly assess that and be like, okay, no, this is not me just saying, oh, I just want to lay down. Like, this is me truly not being able to, to show up how, yeah. I, how I want to. And it's interesting. What do you think? Do you think there is a hard line of someone being like, what? Because I, I can hear our audience being like, what is the difference between resting and just doing a workout, but just doing it at 50% or 60% or 30% or whatever. Right. When, how do you differentiate between, should I just take a rest day or should I still work out, but just maybe not go as hard? 
for me personally, like using last week as an example, my, I was so completely fatigued all over my body. Like I'd stand up and I felt woozy. My head was felt like it had been put in a blender. I really, I couldn't even think straight. So to me, when like those literal like faculties are not, not intact, like that's, that's the signal to me of, okay, this is not it. Because there's been plenty of days in the last year and a half since I started teaching for Evlo that I have shown up and been like, oof, you know, I'm definitely not my best day. Like I didn't sleep as much last night, but I still can you think fairly clearly. I still, um, you know, I, I don't have any instability when I'm standing up out of bed. I don't have any shortness of breath, um, any major coughing. To me, like those are the signs. If that's going on, then you need to attend to the basics and, and really focus in on your rest. If it's more of like, oh, I'm just feeling like a little tired or hi, I'm not feeling my strongest. That's when I'm going to show up and just give exactly what I have and show up to my workout. It's yes. Yes. That's a great way to put it, which is honestly how I feel like I show up more than not. Yeah. More than not. I'm like, and I'm like, I just, what's interesting is I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, but a lot of times then at the end, sorry, I think you broke, you broke up a little bit. No, no, go ahead. You were going to say, I don't know if you feel this way, but I was just going to say a lot of times I'll start that way and I'm like, okay, you know, get it together. And then by the end of class, I feel freaking amazing. Yes. When we have that consistency and we show up for ourselves and we give what we have, then we oftentimes get rewarded with all, all the good things, all the feel good things of exercise, as opposed to just sitting and thinking, Oh, I don't, I can't give it my all. So I'm not going to do anything. That's not going to make you feel any better. No, exactly. Exactly. You're not going to be motivated 100%, 100% of the time. It's just not realistic. So having practices in place that allow you to show up how you are that day are a game changer. Yes. Yes. Amen. Well, let's talk about how someone can actually go about listening to their body. And we kind of wrote a little bit of a step-by-step process. And of course there's, it's not like super black and white like this, but I think the first step is establishing guidelines for yourself. I think it's very easy to get distracted with social media advice, fit talk, all the things, all the trendy things on social media. Pilates is super trendy and be like, well, is this the way should I be doing this? And the more you jump around, the less likely you are to see results. Results come from sticking to something consistently. So I think that listening to science-based recommendations, filtering out the myths, creating guidelines for yourself and then sticking to that long enough to where you see the results is step one. Um, because I think, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but like, for instance, the cycle syncing thing is super popular and trendy right now. And maybe that's that the way that cycle syncing is recommended on, on social media might be a way to like, listen to your body. But is that a way that's, is that going to conflict with the results that you ultimately want. So I think step one is just trying to like put your blinders on as far as like all the myths and the trends and just select a routine for yourself without bouncing around. I think that's step one. Um, and, and cause like I said, if you're always bouncing around, it's gonna be really hard for you to listen to your body. Cause you're going to get a lot of different stuff going on. you got a lot of different inputs going on. So you're going to have a lot of different outputs and you're not going to know what's what. Yep. Yep. You're not going to know what input is causing the outputs that you're seeing or yes. not causing the outputs. Yes. That's one of the other reasons why I don't, we oftentimes say that like, if you're doing other workouts in addition to Evlo, it can, it can be kind of difficult. We can't promise the same results because you're getting all these different inputs. You might be overusing some muscle groups, underusing others. If you're not doing the program, the way we kind of design it. So not to say that you, that like our way is the only way I'm not saying that at all, but it's just, that's one of the reasons why we recommend like sticking to one thing. So that way you can kind of determine what's working and what's not for your own body. So you can have clean inputs so that you can ultimately listen to the outputs and make adjustments as necessary. Yes, definitely. And that kind um, of too, when you're in the workshop, when you suggested even if for those who were following one of the Evlo tracks to stick with just one of the tracks for a set amount of time to get even more specific with how is this 
track specifically affecting me and do I need to tweak and adjust yes. after, after analyzing? Yes, exactly. Okay. So that's step one is just figuring out, like just getting really clean with a, with one routine. And then step two is I think assessing your body before you work out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that this is hard for people to do. I think it's hard for people and I, it's kind of almost hard to describe. So Peyton, what, how would you say, how would you recommend someone check in with their body before a workout? Breathwork to me is the ultimate. I think it's stepping onto your mat or wherever you are, whatever type of workout you're doing, physically closing your eyes down. If that feels comfortable for you and breathing, checking with in with yourself physically, like trying to notice anything that's arising in your body, any sensations you're having, what's been going on in your last few days, or even just that day. Um, And then also checking in with yourself mentally and emotionally is really big. Have you had a really stressful day at work? Have you had a lot going on? Do you feel frazzled? Is it hard for you to even sit still and breathe right now at this moment? I think those are all things that taking the space and the time to incorporate breath work at the beginning of your workout then allows you to do. Because oftentimes I feel like, and I've, again, this is one thing that I was really guilty of in the past. I would be rushing, 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 constantly busy doing all this stuff. I'm like, I need to just get a workout in. So I'd just start in right away with the workout or even just start in with a warm up. And there would be no separation of my day and the workout itself. So whatever I'm experiencing in the day, especially on like a, an emotional level um, or from a, a stress perspective, is immediately going to bleed in to what I'm doing. And that might force me or might lead me in the direction of over-exercising, like we mentioned earlier, as a coping mechanism for the stress that I'm experiencing. Or it might cause me to just be completely out of tune with the physical sensations I'm feeling because I'm so heightened. Yeah, because so, you're so distracted by like right. a frazzled energy. Yep. Yeah, totally. It, it can be very distracting and, and it can take you out of, okay, I'm doing this exercise. Ooh, that didn't feel so good. Maybe I should adjust that a little bit. Like it can take you out of that because your brain is everywhere else. I know for me, like, I will just be completely honest. Whenever I teach, usually it's like a mat, like Peyton knows on the back end, there's a lot to like get, get going and like, you have to test everything. And sometimes it can be like frustrating if tech doesn't work or whatever. And so sometimes many times I will immediately step on my mat and feel like a little frazzled. And I think that a lot of members can maybe relate to that. They're like, I had something going on, like the kids were screaming "Ah," and I just like, it took them like a lot to get me here. And for me, whenever I take just those few big breaths, I feel completely different. And so it's, it's a way to kind of like separate your, whatever your the energy that you came with before your workout and the workout itself, which I think is just a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think it's invaluable. And I, I definitely say that I'll always call it out too. Whenever I step on, like if the, if the streaming hasn't worked or something's gone on, I'll walk, I'll step on and be like, if you're feeling frazzled like me, <laughs> use these breaths, or maybe you're feeling great. And then you're just using these breaths to just sink a little deeper into yourself. Like you're not always yeah. going to show up feeling frazzled, but right. A lot of times in our society, unfortunately, we're going to show up a little bit frazzled. Yes. So it's helpful to have that separation. Yep. Have that initial separation. So step one is just like finding your routine and sticking to that and trying to put your blinders on to not get super distracted. Step two is taking a moment prior to your workout to separate yourself so that you can actually listen during your workout. And also great time to take note of like, oh, my hips kind of feeling like a little, uh, so maybe I should take care of that when I get into lower body exercises or whatever. And then step three, I think would be to assess yourself during the workout itself. So Peyton, do you want to kind of talk about how we do that? Yep. So we are very, very big on intentional and targeted work. We like to make sure that members know exactly what they are working. And I think that that helps with with honing in on, okay, wait, I'm supposed to be feeling it here. I'm actually feeling it here. So is this something that I need to tweak or getting, it allows you, I think, to get a little bit more curious with your body. Um, And we have a a specific um, four-step process that we we talk about um, in our classes that if something doesn't feel right, First thing is to get really intentional, intentional, not intentional. Don't know where that word. Is. 
intentional about the the actual physical squeeze of the muscle or the effort. So if you're doing a bicep curl, for example, squeezing onto the weights, holding them, like squeezing on harder, really tapping into and and honing in on the muscle um, activation and what the muscle is doing itself. Um, And then if that doesn't work or doesn't kind of attend to whatever sensation is arising for you, then it's going in a smaller range of motion. So let's say if it's still that bicep curl, if you're noticing a little funkiness in some part of the range of motion, trying to move within a range of motion that doesn't elicit those sensations. If that still isn't doing the trick, step three is to go down in weight to then be able to really tap into the the motion itself and really focus in on your form. Because a lot of times going, if you're going up and you're using a little too heavy of weight, it can distract you from the actual muscle activation itself. So going down in weight, seeing if that attends to whatever you're feeling. And if that doesn't work, you choose a different exercise. So that's kind of our, our four steps. And one of the big, one of the things we're big about that we mentioned earlier is we're constantly giving tweaks as well as other exercise options to do. So we always say that we want classes to feel like personal training session. And we genuinely mean it because all of our bodies are different. So although we're showing you a specific exercise, if while you're doing that exercise, it doesn't work for your body. Or if you know, I don't like that exercise and it doesn't feel good. We want you to have options and other ideas that you could do in its place that might work better for your body that day and give you even better results because it's fitting into what you need. Exactly. And you can stay consistent. You're not sidelined because you've accumulated a bunch of joint pain. I think that's huge. And even if you're not a Neville member, you're just working out on your own. I know a lot of, um, you know, we've got a portion of our audience who are not members and that's great, but I think you could do this on your own too. Yeah. Like anytime you do any exercise, like step one, flex the muscle harder, step two, um, smaller range of motion, step three, decrease resistance, step four, choose a different exercise that targets the same muscle. And this all happens within like one or two reps. So it's like, you, you do it real quick and it's just like, Oh, that didn't work. Oh, nope. Next, next, next. And then you're like, okay, then you've got your solution. So I think that's, um, I think that's something that anyone can apply to any exercise. Yeah. It's just about getting curious ultimately yeah. within yeah. the, and not feeling like you need to be rigid with the exercises that you have selected for yourself or that have been selected by you if you're in a class. Yes. So we talked about how, the first step to listening to your body and applying that is finding a routine. The second step is assessing yourself before your workout. The third step is assessing it during your workout. And then I think a really important step is assessing how your workout routine is affecting you as a whole, how your programming is affecting you. So I think some important things to pay attention to with this are some more still short-term, like as far as like it can happen within days, weeks, months, but more long-term, like outside of the workout itself. So you want to pay attention to some tissue sensations. You'll know if you're doing too much exercise or not giving yourself enough rest or choosing exercises that are not good for your body. If you always feel, if your muscles are always feeling tender, like super tender to touch, like if you were to do, if you were to just like rub the muscle, it would feel like you want to like jump out of your seat. And this is something that I, whenever I worked with my, as a physical therapist, whenever I worked with my patients who were over-exercising their glutes, like whenever we would do muscle activation and, and palpate glutes, they would like jump off the table because they're so overused that they're so inflamed and very, very tender to touch. So if you have muscles that are like, you know, a lot of times it's glutes to be completely honest with you. Um, if your glutes and hips like feel super tender to touch, it could mean that those muscles aren't recovering from session to session. So it could mean that you do need, um, a little bit more recovery. Yep. Um, I think, yep. I think too, I think this is a, uh, important too, to distinguish, there will be soreness that occurs with workouts sometimes like, and soreness isn't necessarily a bad thing. I feel like we've gotten a couple of questions recently that have been like, I I'm sore from this class. Like, and then a couple of days later, or, you know, a generalized workout, not necessarily even just members. And then like, is it okay to then work the muscle a few days later? And our rule of thumb is like, in, in general, you want to give the muscle about 48 hours. So never working muscles on consecutive days in order to recover. So although there might be some soreness 
that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what you're talking about here is more of like chronic, perpetual, like tenderness to the touch. Yes. Not just from you've done a, a workout that you've loaded the glutes, if we're using that specifically, yes. and then they're they're sore. It's more of okay, no, constantly you haven't worked glutes in four days, and they're just constantly tender over over time. Kind of distinguishing yeah. that, I think, is important too. Yes, exactly. Like it's it's always like that. Like that your baseline is they're they're constantly sore and tender. I think that's a th- thank you for distinguishing that. Yeah. Um, and then I think another symptom that maybe your workout is is not appropriate for your body is your energy levels. We've been taught that like you know, we should wipe ourselves out and deplete ourselves. And I just don't think that's necessary or very realistic for the modern woman who y'all have got careers. A lot of you are mothers or or parents or whatever, and you don't have time to like be depleted after your workout and your workout shouldn't completely deplete you. And if you feel like your energy levels are tanked all the time and you feel like, oh my gosh, I feel like I got hit by a truck. I, I've got to like take a nap midday, every single day, whatever it is. Maybe that means that maybe you're overdoing it a little bit. And that's, I know something that I for sure dealt with when I was over exercising. Yeah, definitely. I think something else that comes into play is not seeing the physical changes that you want. And this one's, this one can be interesting because there, there are parameters we each were given a specific body and they're like, for example, I am never going to look specifically like you, Shannon, me, Peyton will never look specifically like Shannon. But if I am working out and doing a program with the hopes of seeing muscle growth specifically, and I'm not seeing muscle growth, or I'm not feeling also like I'm getting stronger, then that might be a sign that something in my overall programming isn't working out that I, that I might be overdoing it and that I I might not be tapping into what's actually working for my body itself. Yes. Yes. Or maybe it sometimes if you're not seeing the results, it could be because, um, of nutrition. It could be because yeah. like of not getting close to enough to failure. There's so many, there's so many factors there, but one, as far as like over-exercise, a lot of times you won't, you actually won't see muscle results. If you're over-exercising, you won't see your body change as, as much as doing less a lot of times. Right. Right. I can definitely, I can say with confidence that my, I have seen the most physical differences in my body when I've been able to tap into how I'm actually feeling and giving myself this whole framework of listening to my body. It's then allowed me to improve and progress in, in the, in the ways that I am, am wanting to physically that are it almost becomes like a bonus. Um, it it almost isn't the the main focus because my focus has been listening to my body and doing needs needs to happen for myself. Yes. I think, um, I think we we touched on so many things today and more than anything, we just want to say that it is so normal to struggle with this. Like it is very, very normal, but I think that bringing it to your awareness more and working on it, it gets easier. And then it gets to the point where your routine starts to feel more or less effortless. Like, I don't want to say effortless, (laughs) it's still effort that goes along with it, but it just starts to feel so much more seamless in your life. So I think that it is truly worth some of the friction that a lot of times will come along with just starting to pay attention in the beginning. Yeah. It becomes an easy, normal part of your lifestyle as opposed to the other way around. It's once you push past the resistance that can come up. It, it opens up just a whole different side of things that, but it becomes really fun. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, anything that we missed, anything that we need to talk about in this episode? I think so. I think we got it. Okay. Thank you all for listening. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.